Hello, my name is Joe Abercross, and you're listening to Fireside Football, a podcast that mainly is going to follow the trials and tribulations of the three teams that I mostly follow, FC Cincinnati, the United States men's national team, and Borussia Dortmund. Uh, today's episode, I'm going to be coming with you, uh, kind of going about what's going on with FC Cincinnati recently. Um, they came off to a, a reasonably good start after their first year in MLS, uh, following the expansion from USL into the MLS. And in their first four games, they got seven points. Um, they lost to get to the Seattle Sounders in their first ever MLS game, um, which was, I think, probably could be expected. Um, after that, they picked up a point at Atlanta, beat Portland, beat uh, the New England Revs, and yeah, just had seven points through four games. You know, people were excited. And then, well, I guess you could say that a lot of different things happened. Uh, Alan Koch was fired after a string of about five games uh, of not getting a point. And uh, there's rumors that um, he had lost the, the, the locker room and players were not willing to work in this toxic environment that was set up under Alan Koch. Um, not entirely sure how I see that. Uh, that's kind of just what Jeff Burning kind of came out and said that, you know, the dismissal of Alan Koch wasn't a results-based dismissal, uh, which I think it would be stupid to do that. Um, anyways, you know, nobody had really any expectations for us, especially with the players that we picked up um, coming into the MLS. Nobody expected us to really do anything. Uh, the fact that we got seven points in our first four games is really a, you know, a feat in itself. And I think because of that, it really showed that, um, you know, that we have quality in our side and we can do something. It's just a matter of, you know, putting it all together, staying composed, staying, you know, organized and that kind of sort of thing. So um, I was surprised to hear when Alan Koch was fired, um, but to know that it wasn't because of a uh, uh, performance-based reasoning, I think that was pretty pretty sound logic. because I think in the first season, you really – it takes a while to go through. You know, we just brought in a bunch of new players. Um, I think there was a graphic where we really only had like three months or maybe it was seven months. I'll say about maybe half a year to really get together and figure out like what kind of a squad we wanted to put together. And that was just pebbles in compared to the amount of time that other, uh, you know, expansion draft teams have had like LAFC and Atlanta United and, you know, even Minnesota United, like all, well, I mean, Minnesota United had a pretty dreadful first, uh, first season, but they still had a lot more time than we did to really put together a team that could share a vision. So, um, I think not continuing with Alan Koch, if what they say was true and that it was a, uh, a toxic environment, then, you know, great, fine, let's move on. But, um, you got to wonder if it was the right choice to really just kind of uh, abandon any sort of leadership uh, this far. And it really speaks to how bad the situation must have been to make such a drastic choice in the middle of our first MLS season. So um, that's really all I wanted to say on that. Uh, I, I, I really liked Alan Koch as a coach. I thought I, I enjoyed his philosophy of the game. I think it was the right decision to go with him into the MLS after what he had all, after what he had done for us. Um, coming in two years and putting on that spectacular run for us into the open cup that really put Cincinnati on the map in regards to the MLS expansion race, um, putting us through and winning the regular season USL. Granted, we had such like the, such a better team, just objectively speaking talent was than every other team in the USL, except for maybe loose city. And I mean, the, the second division MLS teams, um, where they could just bring down, you know, bench MLS players to beat us, which is, uh, happened from time to time, but um, 
But yeah, so today I kind of want to talk about uh, the games that have happened in the last weeks, namely uh, the Open Cup loss to uh, St. Louis FC uh, and then the loss to L- the LA Galaxy. So um, just to go off in that Open Cup, um, <sighs> there's always been times where I feel like I could see positives in our game. Uh, clearly, clearly our defense is such a mess right now and there's no organization everybody's panicked when the ball gets even remotely close to the box uh there's no composure uh and losing uh you know kendall Austin to um international duty definitely plays a big big role in that um but i think you got to say that just in general our defensive holes have been bigger uh, more prevalent than we expected them to be, especially with how many uh, defensive-minded midfielders we we picked up in the offseason. Um, so I think that's kind of like the biggest thing that was prevalent in the St. Louis game is that, you know, we really just couldn't get anything going. And I, I think it's the worst we've looked in a game all season, uh, to be frank. Second half, we look better. We got more into the swing of things, but I don't know, man. Um, I'm not entirely a Fernando Adi fan. Um, I think that he has taken the easy route. He really just came here for a paycheck, and that was it. He saw that he was on the out uh, uh, on the outs when the Portland Timbers traded him to the FC Cincinnati, and even in USL play, he really didn't look that good. Um, and I know that he's been, you know, battling fitness issues and injuries, and he's been in a slump scoring wise. But I don't know, man. We've uh, we invested $2 million into this guy a year. That should be worth more goals than what he's put up for us. So, I don't know. Another thing that I think kind of showed itself was uh, Forrest Lasso kind of, I think, exposed himself a little bit. Um, if that man doesn't head the ball and he's not hitting it with his right foot, he is in trouble. Uh, he, he is an absolute beast in the air. I think he's making pretty safe uh, decisions, but he just can't play out of them back like Yohan Deme wants our team to be able to do. And I think that's why we've seen very little of him, except for when we really need to play him. Um, I think that was the reason why we didn't see him in the LA Galaxy game, even though we only have, what, like 17 players available uh, to play. And he was on the bench but didn't play. We played a uh, Fataya last year at right back. Uh, and put a, a Justin Hoyt at center back before playing him. So I think that really kind of speaks to um, the amount of uh, distrust that I think the uh, Yoan has in Forrest Lasso. And I can't exactly say that I disagree with him. Um, Lasso, of course, was a beast in the USL. Um, and I saw some uh, hot takes, not really hot takes, but they're more so just predictions uh, kind of going out on the ledge. So hot take predictions, I could say. And there's a couple of MLS writers that I saw um, that, you know, put for his lasso thought that they that he'd be a surprise coming to the MLS. And it's not to say he's been an overwhelming disappointment, but he definitely could have been better than uh, what he has done so far. And to touch on uh, a little bit more, <laughs> just why we had uh, only 17 players available uh, for the game. Injuries, suspensions, and international duty. Oof, just killing us. You know, of course, Powell, Maddox, Waston, Cruz, all those guys are out for international duty with uh, Jamaica and Costa Rica. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Cruz is a starter. Waston is a starter. I think Maddox is a... I I like Maddox more on the wing than as a striker, but he's definitely a starter for some games. Uh, Powell, probably a starter, just because we need somebody that's a wingback or a fullback. So I think losing those four guys definitely hurt us. And then when you add into the fact that we lost uh, Roland Lamar, Greg Garza, now Fatai Lache, and Fernando Adi, we're just... Man, we are in dire straits. Um, and, of course, you can throw <laughs> Jimmy McLaughlin into that... Uh, into that kind of boat as well. But I don't think anybody really had any expectations for him to provide any sort of uh, impact this year, except for maybe a few garbage minute substitute appearances. Uh, And then of course, coming in uh, when we go to uh, Minnesota, let's see, look at the exact date on, uh, on um, the seventh, no, the 20th, on the 29th sorry so basically next saturday saturday june 29th at minnesota 4 p.m we're gonna be missing leonardo batoni because of yellow card accumulation i that's that's gonna be rough just looking at just looking at the players that are gonna be out i'll say one two three four five six seven seven players, eight players from our first choice starting 11 are going to be available. And, you know, it's hard to win games that way, especially with an expansion draft. We're limited from the very beginning on the amount of resources, uh, resources as players from the beginning. Um, I think going into it, we hit, we did a really good job in the, in the, um, in the college draft by getting so many picks and Rashawn Daly, uh, Frankie Amaya, who's been absolutely immense for us. These last five or six games, one of our really, really bright spots. Uh, but even just players like Tommy McCabe and all the other guys that are uh, have been loaned out or recalled from their loans, um, I think that was the right choice to try and get some sort of a, 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 a youth um, developing players sort of thing to, to really provide us some sort of upside. Because I think the management knew that we were going to have a rough first year, so they wanted us to be excited for something. Um it's just that maybe that they've kind of come into our team quicker than I think that we could have anticipated, uh, considering when you look at all the the loan spells that we've had to cancel and bring back into the squad. But like I said, part of that reason is because of uh, injuries, suspensions, and international duty. So I do have to say, though, I, it, watching the LA Galaxy game, I, I think something clicked. Um, it's the best effort that I've seen from an FC Cincinnati team in – in a while. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking at the stats right here against the Galaxy. The LA Galaxy, who won 2-0, we had 64% ball possession. We had 12 total shots. We had double the amount of accurate passes than them. Um, granted, they had more shots on target, uh, and they had more shots inside the 11 than we did. Um, and they had more block, more block shots overall. It just seems like we're really missing that final... Um, that final play in the final third, um, really, it seems like we have a lot of really good build-up play. There was a couple times where we had good counters, but just couldn't finish. Um, namely, that one header over the bar by um, Emmanuel Ledesma, that missed header by Rashawn Daly. Um, and then there was a couple times where there was, you know, kind of half chances for Kakutomane, uh, just rocket, but just right at the keeper, so an easy save in the end. You know, we, we really had a lot of promising um, 
chances in that game. And it's a shame that, you know, <laughs> the LA Galaxy basically scored with their first two chances of the game um, with that one kind of weird kind of right off the kickoff Cole. Um, and then the other one just kind of coming off of a fast break. And I don't know. It, it, it's been weird to watch because we. it seems like we give up really easy goals. And it just seems like our defense at times don't know what they're doing or they just have no confidence. And so, you know, I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to play <laughs> against Zlatan Ibrahimovic and just have absolutely no confidence that what you're doing is the right thing or, and having, you know, no assurance that, you know, you're going to be fine if you just do what you're used to doing. Because at the, at the present moment, you know, if you're an FC Cincinnati, FC Cincinnati defender, what you do is concede goals. Um, uh, I think from the watching the broadcast last night that we, we averaged two goals conceded a game. And we only have 14 goals total in the MLS out of all the games. We are just in a complete uh, state of disarray. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what more to say. Um, although I do have to say, I, I think we did look a lot better uh, this game than we had in previous games. Um, previous games, like where we were against New York City FC, granted we weren't at home with the 32,000 plus that uh, filled Nippert Stadium. So we're in foreign territory. But it just seemed like after the first couple goals, we just just kind of gave up. Like, you know, we kind of went through the motions, um, got a couple own goals, but still end up getting thrashed 5-2. And it was, you know, we were lucky to get those two own goals kind of thing. Um, so definitely interesting. Um, I'm intrigued to see how Yuan Demay really kind of pulls us out of this uh, little funk that we're in or if we pull out of it at all. Um, we've got 11 points through 17 games, I believe, and it's just not looking good for us so far. Um, I'm not entirely sure what more we could do other than just bring in some new players, uh, hope for our injured players to get better and play, keep playing the youth. I think Rashawn Dowley has really, um, when compared to Fernando Adi, he's put in a lot more effort than Fernando Adi has. Uh, but you can just tell that he still needs time time to develop. Um, Reno901, which was, I believe, the team that he was loaned at, he only had a goal in about seven appearances. So um, not exactly the greatest of loan spells, but not like he didn't do anything really either. Um, he's shown promise. I was really impressed with his hold-up play. There's a couple times where I feel like Fernando Adi would have either lost it or fallen down and looked for a foul when he probably should have just kept playing. Um, I like the effort that I saw from Rashawn Daly just needed a little bit, just needs a little bit more time to develop and really kind of turn into the player that we need him to be. Um, so I think when you bring up a, a player like Rashawn Daly, you got to ask yourself a question, you know, in regards to what FCC does is do we just kind of sack the season? I know, um, we're not really, it doesn't make much sense to, you know, tank like in the NBA. So you get like a lottery draft pick because there's, there's talent that comes from the, the college draft, but nothing that's going to really change our ways really that much. Um, but I think maybe in, sacking the season may be the wrong way to putting it. But do we do we put more effort into developing our talent? Do we give Rashawn Daly more minutes? Do we give Tommy McGabe more minutes? Do we let Frankie really take control of the of the attack and kind of play through him kind of thing? Because um, I think that uh, these young players, they've shown desire to really get better and shown um, – 
the ability that they can do it. They're just kind of missing that last Christmas, that last little, um, you know, like that final touch or that, that, that final, uh, something that's going to you know make them into the MLS quality player that we need to, to really get points. I think um, to kind of go along with that, do we, what do we do in regards to bringing in new talent? Um, I know that there are some rumors with the game against LA galaxy that there are some other uh, clubs in England and Germany that came to scout Frankie Amaya. One I know was FC Schalke. Um, supposedly came and was uh, just wanted to see Frankie Amaya in the flesh kind of do his thing. Um, you know, th- th- if it does end up happening that we get an offer from FC Shock in the, in the, in the season, you know, what kind of an offer do we do? Do we try and keep him and say like, no, this is a guy we want to invest with him. Does Frankie want to be that guy? Does he want to come and, you know, be that guy for FC Cincinnati or does he want to try, try his luck in, in, in the Bundesliga? I mean, ultimately it's going to be up to him to decide what he wants to do. And I hope that FC Cincinnati, considering what Frankie's done for us this season, giving us hope and that kind of thing, do we allow him to go um, for a good payment? Um, of course, <laughs> like we're not going to let him go cheaply. Um, you know, he's been our future, so to speak. But I do think that you have to consider that if an offer is on the table for Frankie and Maya that would allow us to either get a really good new designated player that would be in the attacking position uh, or just maybe even a few, maybe get like a solid uh, new center back that could replace uh, Hagelin. So we have Hagelin uh, more as like a rotational player or even a fullback. <laughs> you know, when I'm starting to think about players that we need, it's like, oh, yeah, we definitely need a center back. Uh, we definitely need a fullback. We definitely need a midfielder. We definitely need a striker. It's just, there are so many people on this team that we need. Um, so many positions that need to be filled. Um, and I, I, hopefully that FC Cincinnati is open to opening their pockets and really splashing. I know that, you know, there's a lot of equity tied up in this new stadium and there's been a lot of effort trying to get the city to pass it. And there's been that ever increasingly painful headache with the residents that don't want to move and they're trying to stay for as long as possible. And I've seen Cincinnati's paying for, you know, them to relocate and they're giving them this space rent free for six months. And city council is kind of pushing back saying like, Oh, there's going to be noise complaints with music hall being not too far away. You know, it's just been a massive headache. And I think that once that is more on the way outs, we'll have more money to invest. We'll have hopefully more effort being put on what kind of players we want to have at the club uh, and, and, and more players in that regards. Um, Hopefully the new uh, general manager, I can't think, can't remember his name for the life of me, but the Dutch, uh, the Dutchman coming in, uh, hopefully he'll have some, uh, have some say on what we need and give some insight on what we should do. Um, I think uh, a new permanent coach that shares the vision of that along with the player development, um, Luke Sassano, Sassano, uh, who's kind of really put together this team with along with Jeff Birding and Alan Koch. Uh, hopefully they can go in there and really kind of remedy the situation. So as it currently stands through 17 games, FC Cincinnati has 11 points. Uh, They are currently uh, eight points uh, and a game behind the last playoff team, which would be Toronto FC in the East. Um, 
is there a possibility that we could sneak in to the playoffs with 17 games remaining? Absolutely. Eight points isn't a whole lot uh, in this day and age, especially with the way that the the Eastern Conference is, with it being more top-heavy and bottom-heavy. Obviously, we're kind of bringing it down, but you know, the one, two, three, four, five teams ahead of us are all within three points of each other. So um, if we can somehow get back into that race, it's not like we're so far behind uh, that it's just not even worth it at this point. Um, considering as well our upcoming schedule, we play at Minnesota United, um, a team that is, um, you know, sixth place in the Western Conference. Um, potential for points there, I would imagine. Um, you know, Houston Dynamo probably best best case hope for a draw. It is at home, uh, maybe more, um, but I think. The Chicago Fire, New England Revolution, and Toronto FC, all teams that we play in July, um, I think those are going to be teams that if we want to make a run, that we have to get three points again. We play Chicago Fire at Chicago. We play the Rebs at home, who we beat, um, which I believe is our last victory away. It was our only victory away. Um we we I think we can hope to get three points there. Toronto FC, uh, a team that's in seventh place. Uh, this is the team that has one less match matches played than us, but uh, is only eight points away. Uh, I think there's a lot of six pointers out there for us. Uh, if we can beat the Chicago Fire, the Revolution, and Toronto, really put on a a great July uh, for us. I think uh, that'll put us right in the heat of things going into the last two months of the season. Um, but yeah, really needless to say, these next six games for us are going to be a big indicator of uh, of how we're going to be able to traverse uh, into the playoffs, especially when we still got, you know, big teams uh, to play again, like FC Dallas, New York City, uh, Montreal, Atlanta United. We play the Columbus Crew twice, uh, DC United, the last game of the season in October. There's a... Uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of games where I think we're well I mean we're definitely going to be considered the underdogs, um, so yeah uh, it it'll be interesting to see um, how we go about this. I would say if I was the manager, if we can go through these next six games and perform well, um, pick up uh, you know a few games, I'd say maybe get. If we can win three games in these next six games and only lose twice, that would put us on a course that I would consider really trying to push for the playoffs no matter what. Um, anything less than that, I think we just got to say, like, well, you know, this is kind of what we expected. We're still going to try to do the best we can, but let's try and look to see what we can salvage out of the situation. Let's play some youth. Let's try and get some guys some minutes. Let's try and, you know, experiment with what works best for us. Uh, all the while trying to figure out what the GM wants to do, what uh, permanent managers we can get, and what uh, key players that we can bring in during the summer transfer window period. Yeah, I mean, I guess really the only other thing left to talk about is uh, what my first choice 11 would be or, or what I who I think would be the perfect first 11 um, starting in goalkeeper. I know Spencer Ruchi has had a really impressive resurgence in the MLS. Um but I think uh, T- I think it's time that we give Teton a good 
uh, stretch of games to really get comfortable. Uh, he's proven to be a world-class goalkeeper, playing all over Europe, playing in the Champions League. I think his distribution alone should be enough to give him the nod over Spencer Ritchie. Um, there were so many times that I noticed in um, in the games leading up that Teton played that he has got such poise in the goalkeeper. He's so calm. He knows what he's going to do with the ball. He knows where to go with uh, where to go with the ball. Um, I've been really impressed with the way that he's been able to really distribute and turn uh, turn our defense and into uh, attack and counter. And I think that he should be in the starting eleven. Um, now the next part is where the defense gets weird. Um, I think Waston and Hagelin are our best choice center backs at the current moment. Um, I know Hoyt has been playing in the center back position the last few games. I think that we should put him on left back until Greg Garza is finally back from injury and then put to plan uh, at right back where he's more naturally comfortable. Um, on top of that, CDMs, Bertone and Alan Cruz. Um, I would have Bertone be the more defensive minded kind of guy. And I would let Cruz kind of roam about, um, plan really open, finding space. And, uh, I would see Cruz more as a box to box and Bertone more as kind of like a, uh, a linchpin for the defense, providing those long balls and doing the set pieces uh, whenever they're 30, 40 yards out, um, kind of putting in a dangerous ball for guys like Waston or Haglin or or depending on who our striker is, Fernando Adi or Rashawn Daly, kind of go in and get after it. Um, outside of that, kind of going to our attack, I think Rowan Lama and Kakuda Mane on the wings are probably um, our best options. Um, I would put Maddox in there. Uh, as well for kind of rotational play. Uh, Frankie Amai at the 10, you know, play the kids. I think he's going to be your best player. I think he has been our best player this season, um, except for maybe Bertone or Deplan. Uh I guess maybe you can make a case for Spencey Ritchie as well. He's made some pretty clutch saves. But um, he's definitely up there in terms of quality, in terms of form. Uh, one of the few form player players that have been kind of informed this season. Uh, and then for striker, uh, it's fine. I'm looking through my notes for this when I was going to say like what my first choice 11 was. I didn't even put a striker because Fernando Adi, you know, I've been such a proponent and such a defender of Fernando Adi since he's come uh, to our teams in the USL days. But I've been super disappointed with the way that he has uh, conducted himself on and off the field. Um it's it's tough to say what is going to happen with him later on. I would say, going back to my point about the six games, uh, if we can win half or more of them, um, with who I would say whoever's in that game at striker, whether it's Fernando Adi or if we play Darren Maddox at striker or if we play Rashawn Daly, whoever leads us to victory should get the nod. Um, I'm partially leaning towards... Um, Rashawn Dowley and then bringing Maddox off the bench uh, or whoever uh, is on the wing would normally be on the wing off the bench and put a striker. Um, I think Kakuta Mane could be a good striker and put in Maddox in for the wing. So it'd be Maddox, uh, Frankie, and Lama as the three and then um, Mane at, at striker uh, for the pace just for, you know, kind of chasing those long balls and playing for the counter. Um, that's who I would be as my first choice 11. Uh, Victor Yoa is another strong candidate. I think he's been pretty solid this season, uh, minus, minus a few of the first few games uh, where we weren't really sure what kind of a system we were running, granted. Um, 
but yeah, I think that's kind of I think that's the that's the team that that's going to lead us to the most positive results, barring any um, big major transfer window uh, signings. And those are kind of like uh, my current thoughts on the team, FC Cincinnati, what my, what the season has really done for us and what we could hope to get from the season. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of uh, all I really had planned uh, to go over in this podcast. Uh, FC Cincinnati, you know, where do we go from here? Uh, and it'll be interesting to see. I think FC Cincinnati's got a lot of quality players. Uh, we saw that in the, the LA Galaxy uh, game, and there's definitely hope. There's definitely hope that you can have uh, for this team. It's just a matter of uh, can we put that into action and can we put that into, into a form that will help get us results and push us on further into our MLS journey.